I'm Dr. Pete Economo, the East Coast psychologist. And I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin, the West Coast psychologist. And this is When East Meets West. Pete, this is an episode we've teased for a long time that you and I have been really, <laughs> we've been really interested in talking about. And uh, today, you know, we've got a little bit of a provocative title here for any, uh, you know, any psychodynamic clinicians out there listening, um, which is we're, we're going to talk about the problem with Freud today. It's uh, about also, time. It's about time. We're, we're also going to talk a lot about, um, you know, what we, what we, we owe thanks. We owe a lot of like gratitude to Freud and, and his contributions to the field. Um, but you know, we thought it was really important to talk about this because, you know, I would say if, you know, just average listeners out there that aren't clinicians, most people, when they're thinking about anything related to psychology or psychotherapy, really tend to think about stuff that's uh, Freudian based. And our job, right, the reason, one of the reasons we wanted to do this podcast was to disseminate information about the most current, um, uh, the most current methods in uh, behavioral science, and then of course in Eastern spiritual traditions that we we use quite a bit of, right? So, uh, yeah, I don't know anything you want to add before we kind of dive into some of the uh, a little bit of the history here and a little info. Well, you and I are not experts in We're psychodynamic experts. or psychoanalytic theory. We're going to break that down a little bit for our listeners, uh, mm-hmm. and you know, because I think when we think when 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 our listeners see a uh, therapist on television, they're often a like Freudian type therapist that's portrayed in a lot of like media. Well, so, like in, in treatment, the, like, the new season just came out, right? It's they're, That's they're still always, live? Uh, they just have a new season. I can't out. imagine. Yeah, a new se- yeah. Yes. A new season. So yeah, no, that's right. On, on T on TV. It's um, it's almost always, almost uh, always. Yeah. Always a, a psychoanalyst. Yeah. Yeah. So, so we, yeah, go ahead. Sorry. No, you please. <laughs> We're no. like, no, no. Well, I, I, it's so, we're thankful for like a lot of the theory because, you know, what we're going to say for at least for like modern psychotherapy, if it weren't first, you know, some of the Freudian stuff uh, that maybe we wouldn't. I also just joke. I always joke and say like Freud also gave us cocaine, um, which because you know, there was. He, yeah. Did you know that? No, no, yeah, I didn't know that. I'm not sure. Like, I remember reading that he I don't think he like developed it, but I think he studied it as like a treatment modality. For some folks, interesting. interesting. I would be very interesting because if you think about some of his theory, like it, I mean, cocaine is an upper. Yeah. Uh, but perhaps that was like how he got. You know, that's maybe that's why his all his theories are so sexualized. I don't know. <laughs> well, maybe well, I was gonna say, uh, you know, uh, cocaine. It's almost like in it's mirrors like a manic episode. So that's you right. Know, which, well, there's, you know, so there's like that's very wow. That's fascinating. See, yeah. I. You guys, I, I I learn stuff in real time. Well, I, I'll yeah. I'll break that down a little bit because that's also like I came from a program that trained more in psychodynamic theory mm, than you did, mm-hmm. right? Because I don't think you really got much of, if any. No, I did get some. Oh, you did? Okay. I did. I did get some, but um, the difference, and and you know, we have mentioned this a little bit uh, on the podcast before that, you know. Pete obviously trained in, you know, like the New York metropolitan area. So on the, it's on the, East, on the Coast. East Coast, on the East Coast, which and, and New York itself is is really like a yeah. hub of psychoanalysis. And on the West Coast, uh, it, it's just not the dominant theory and practice. And there, there are some reasons for that, which obviously we're going to talk about today. So, yeah. you know, so, so maybe let's just start with... Um, you know, like a little bit of history and also just explaining why we do owe uh, a debt of gratitude uh, to, to Dr. Freud. Um, so psychoanalysis, you know, he he really sort of like coined it or it was like officially uh, sort of came into the the mental health world in, in 1896. You know, he was in, in Vienna. Yep. And, uh, you know, Freud, 
you know, he's the first person to really uh, do psychotherapy in the way that we do it uh, today, right? Yeah, like, so, yeah. you know, and again, listeners will be familiar with sort of the imagery of like a patient lying on the couch, on the couch right? Yeah. Right. That, that is uh, specifically psychoanalytic. So other uh, types of therapy don't do that. So just right. for, if anybody's never, if you're listening, you've been in therapy, when Pete and I see patients um, in person, there's no like, laying down. There's no laying down. There's Although no laying sometimes down. Sometimes I do laying down for like well, Shavasana, but all right, I'm just. <laughs> well, sure. But not, but not for like, a, not, not, not for the treatment. Right. Not right. It's treatment. like, no, no, we're, we're sitting, uh, the person sitting on a couch and yes. we're, we do have a couch, but, but we're speaking face, <laughs> we're speaking face to face. Yeah. Um, so, you know, this, the, he started this process of creating a space to, you know, begin to explore, you know, I think the word he'd probably use is the psyche. Yeah. Right. And, and honestly, um, Freud, you know, had a lot of uh, theories related to like exploring the unconscious. So like yes. dreams and dream analysis, mm-hmm. um, and, and they're, you know, there's a lot of overlap, I would say, um, we, you know, humans have all, I mean, I don't know, with, uh, with any kind of some spiritual traditions, honestly, just like exploring the depths of the mind. Right. Yeah, yeah. And so it was at the time, very cutting edge. It was very cutting edge. And that's, the, that's really where the couch came in because it was free association was the technique they used. Yes, and so correct. the providers Explain, say, say what that is. For so people. free association was just this idea of like, that was getting into consciousness. So whatever came up and whatever arose during the conversation is what he would say would get deeper down into the unconscious. Yes. And that's why the couch often faced away from the provider because they didn't want to have anything that was like interfering. And I think there's even a research or like there is, they were psychoanalysis are trained. I think I'm I'm forgetting now, but I think the couch either faces the window or vice versa. So even in terms of the office, there's like the, the angle in which the provider is versus the window is also really relevant. That's, I don't, I also don't remember what the direction is, but Yes, you are right. There's like a yeah. certain orientation in terms of the in office. The also, yes. And, that, and it also has to do with, um, you know, uh, the transference and the counter transference, right? So, so, so break that down first. Yeah. Let's just talk a little bit about that. So another part of, um, of Freud's theory is that uh, what's going to happen in the room between the relationship between the patient um, and the therapist is that uh, the, the patient's brain, I guess we could say it that way, yeah. is going to, in the moment... Um, uh, kind of like, how do I want to say it? Re-experience or reenact, um, reenact, reenact what they experience with other people and put that onto the therapist, which is called transference. So it might be like, let's say the patient has a difficult relationship with their father and I become their father, you become their father. And and the idea is for the, for the therapist to be as blank a slate as possible so that, that they're not influencing um, the transference in any way that they right. want, they want the reenactment, so, so to speak. To so say more about the being blank as possible. Yeah. So it's, it's because not... you've had fluorescent pink nails. There's nothing blank <laughs> about that. <laughs> Truth. That's right. Yeah. Different, different schools of thought, thought here. Right. So uh, yeah. So it's being, yeah, being a blank slate, not um, not reacting, being sort of, yeah. you know, again, as blank as possible. Like, so that would include, like, in the way someone dresses as well. Right. Um, and then countertransference is the way that the 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 clinician feels towards the patient. That's yeah. a that's a term actually we still use across um, across different types of uh, psychological theory and modalities today. So, yeah. like, we we use that as cognitive behavioral therapists as well. Um, well, I love how you just said that it's across therapeutic modalities because it's not an us and them 
Thank that's, you for saying that. That's right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because a lot of times, especially like East West, uh, yeah. right. Even in the, in the practice of psychoanalysis, uh, uh, that it's like us versus it's cognitive behavioral therapy versus psychoanalysis. And it's, it's not, it's not, no. And, and that's where, you know, you know, Pete and I, uh, especially, you know, Pete's obviously still in the East coast. And I, I definitely had this practice when I was living there. Um, our interest is in doing what is effective and what's yeah. evidence-based yeah. and not disregarding anything that's come before. And of course, keeping things that are still working, right. though also recognizing when there are some things that are not working or don't work as well. So this is like the practice of flexibility yeah. and this us versus them. I'm so glad you're bringing that up. Not only and it doesn't matter who, you know, and it could be CBT versus psychoanalysis or it could, it could be anything like yeah. humanistic existential versus, yeah. I don't know, family anything. systems or something, right? Yeah. Whatever. Um, that shuts down curiosity, openness, right? Beautiful. And 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 we, we how, I mean, to me, it always sort of is like boggles my mind. I find it extremely perplexing because I'm like, you know, our commitment as clinicians is to help people evolve and grow in ways that are most effective. And how are we going to do that if we're focused on judging what works and what doesn't? Like I, I have said, actually, Dr. Danielle Keenan Miller, who we had on for our um, uh, disordered eating episode, she, yeah. she she actually mentioned this to me the other day. She said when she was interviewing me, she's like, I don't know if you remember this, uh, Nikki. She, but when I was interviewing you for uh, to work at UCLA, she said I said to her, you know. If, if a bunch of research came out tomorrow and said CBT doesn't work at all, I would yeah. stop doing it. That's right. And she, and she said, I just was like, I love you. <laughs> I want to hire you. <laughs> and I said, I, I said, I don't remember saying it to you, but I said, but I say that all the time. And I mean yeah. it because we want to keep evolving. And so the keep evolving pro- for what works. Right. So if we go back to our title here of like the problem with Freud. Yeah. Is that there has been an attachment in our field. Yeah. To aspects of Freudian theory that don't work that way. And we're going to talk about some evidence-based Freudian theories. I was going to, I'm going to break it down. I want to break it down a little bit. Just, I'm going to have you go to that one, but uh, because we've been talking about psychoanalysis and just for our listeners, what's important is psychoanalysis. uh, Howard Stern is, you know, famously will talk about psychoanalysis and has been a patient of psychoanalysis for a long time. Mm -hmm. And that requires a, a lot of money and B like three days a week, uh, going in to see your therapist, you know, and that's three to, three to five, three to five days a week to go see your therapist. So that's not something that uh, most people can afford. Uh, and however, those that offer psychoanalysis uh, have gone through psychoanalysis themselves. Mm-hmm. So that's where that's also a commonality with mindfulness. Cause as a mindfulness, right. pro- as a mindfulness provider, you want to also have your own practice. That's right. The other psychodynamic is Freudian informed, you know, and so that would be more of a, you know, um, borrowing a lot of the theory, but a typical kind of one day a week, an hour a week, you know, every week. The difference also there is that it's every week for an un, uh, an unidentified amount of time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and oftentimes it could be for like one's entire life. Uh, whereas, right. you know, in CBT, we tend to kind of be more solution focused. So, I quickly just want to talk about the theory of like one other theory. So, you know, Nikki, countertransference, transference, really important. Um, one other thing that, again, we're not experts, but id, ego, and superego, you may have heard of, and that's a big mm-hmm. piece of any kind of Freudian-based therapy, thinking about, um, you know, ido, id as this like pleasure principle, like instinct, 
mm-hmm. uh, which is like someone's desire to either like have sex or to like kill, mm-hmm. um, you know, uh, whereas the ego is like reality. So ego mm-hmm. would come in and be like, well, you can't really kill that person because it's against the law. Mm-hmm. Uh, and super ego is also morality there of like, well, it's also like not good to do that to people because that's a mean thing to do. So I just wanted mm-hmm. to like make space for that. I don't mm-hmm. know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And we can also say like those concepts also, I mean, those probably resonate with people because like they're, um, you know, those, those are aspects of, of how humans orient. Like we don't use those, that language in like, um, in behavioral therapies. Yeah, we don't. And, and yet those concepts we absolutely talk about, right. We talk about like, what are the biological drives? Like, right. That's of course. Right. We talk about that all the time. A dialectic. Right. Dialectic. We talk about like seeing reality as it is like, you know, that's part of mindfulness. And we also talk about like the morality piece that we could kind of link that a little bit to values, frankly. Right. Um, Though I think if I'm remembering correctly, the super ego gets actually kind of judgy. Actually, I think the super super ego can get a little bit rules oriented, which again, humans, humans do that. The brain likes that. The brain likes that. So Um, what would you say about the sexuality part of it? That, that to me personally is what I find the most problematic. I don't yeah. know if you agree with that. So I do. Yeah. So, you know, Freud's theory uh, relied pretty heavily on um, kind of viewing humans as, I mean, look, we are sexual being, or, you know, again, this is where some people are asexual in many, many humans are, are yeah. sexual, but I think, well, that's important to, so there's an assumption that everybody is sexual, number one. Um, and two, it you know, he really uh, characterized different stages of development, um, and 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 I would say many behaviors as somehow linking back to sex. Yeah. And and this is where I, and I also want to mention just uh, you know, and maybe we'll do another episode on this, but um, there there are there is some, you know, there I can't get too deep into it today, but yeah. you know, there there's there are power dynamics related to men and women that existed at that time that, um, you know, Freud, obviously, you know, he was a doctor, he saw a lot of female patients and, and then I just want listeners to think about, and then, you know, what that must be like, that then there's an assumption that everything has to do with sex. And he would also talk about, there's also things about talking about like in childhood that like yeah. sex is, is a big, uh, well, not, name, name those, uh, there's like, well, there's, I'm going to forget some of them, but it's well, like, uh, like the, like the anal stage, right? Oh, like, yeah, for yeah. example, like that, it, this is, you know, my apologist listeners has been saying, we're, no, no, we're no, not I, Well, experts. no, I'm sorry. I was thinking more of like the Oedipus complex. Well, I was, go, yes, th- those two. So will you actually share a little bit about okay. that? Like, yeah, well, so like the, there's, there's the Oedipus complex or like the, um, I don't think it's based on that. It was like the Electra complex. So essentially like sort of like a child wanted to have sex with their parent or idolize their parent, you know? So right. again, we're not experts in this. So we're probably saying this wrong. Certainly someone who has like d- gone through analysis or is right. a provider would, 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 would discuss yes. this differently. Uh, but the, you know, the, the, the underlying theory there is that there's like organ envy or like primary sex organ envy, you know, well, even, actually say, say what it is specifically. He said penis envy that penis women, envy, yes. that women, you know, envy, like having that men have penises. That's right. Um, so, and, and there, and the Oedipus complex really was specifically saying that young boys do want to have sex, that Ben boys want to have sex with their mother and, yeah. and get rid of the father by killing him. That, that, that he believed that that was uh, like a natural biological, like inborn urge. Right. Which, which you know, sounds kind of nuts and psychotic. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's like, yeah. So, I mean, and, and so I think, we can use this as a segue to say like, look, the theories, um, 
any kind of theory is is just that. Like people make we, right. we make hypotheses based on the information available. And so, you know, like we said, like a lot of Freud's uh, theories at the time were very cutting edge, you know, they were provocative, right? This isn't like in the Victorian era, right? To be talking about sex uh, at all, right? Um, even this, you know, he started to say like, there's an unconscious and like what's going on behind the scenes in our brain that we're not paying attention to. Yep. Um, so theories are our hypotheses. Um I think sometimes they take these as facts, right? Like I think some, right. Yes. Well, that's, so that's where we're sort of coming up on where I think, um, you know, that there's the problems here is that, you know, we want to be able to, as, uh, and I'm, you know, as clinical scientists to be willing to acknowledge, like, what do we, what do we know and what don't we know? And look, there hasn't been any data to suggest that, young boys want to have sex with their mothers and kill their fathers. <laughs> haven't been able, haven't been able to, to, to conclude that yet. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, though, look, we, we, they do, we do have um, plenty of uh, data that people have biological drives, for example. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> right. And, and so I think that where uh, Freudian approaches can get really sticky is that yes, that there's often, and this has been my experience when I was consulting uh, with folks that uh, have, and, and I've had some really, I should say, I had some wonderful uh, psychoanalyst colleagues in New York. We sure. had some really great. We uh, still do. Still do, right. Some great conversations and talk a lot about sort of like the conceptual. Overview. Well, actually, yeah, yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. Well, I was going to yeah, say, maybe you could talk about like the evidence-based psychodynamic therapy, because that's what I also hear saying is like the, the data that is there is like, like AEDP. Right. Well, so let me get to, let me okay. say this part first, and then we can talk about that. So, cause I, cause those, those therapies are, are focusing on what do we know? Right. Exactly. So people that are focusing on what we like being attached to some of the older stuff, like what, what Pete was just saying is that what I've often noticed is that cause psychodynamic or sorry, my apologies, psychoanalytic approaches often rely on an intervention called interpret an interpretation, interpreting right. what the patient is saying. And I say to people, and especially when I'm training students, I'm like, therapists, we certainly make interpretations, which are just guesses about what we think is going on. However, I would, I would say my experiences from a Freudian approach, interpretations are talked about as truths, as facts, which we've talked about. um, We have an episode on judgments and interpretations are just opinions. They're just judgments that, so when I'm talking to somebody, I might make, I say, it's a guess. I'm going like, I don't know. This is what I think. But then I ask the patient, what do you think? Does that resonate with you? As opposed to this is what's happening, right? right? This like is your this. dream means this, right? It's like, and I I say to patients all the time. People will talk to me about dreams, you know, and I'll go. They're like, "What does this mean?" I'm like, "Oh, I don't think it takes being a psychologist to know what a dream is." I was <laughs> like, "Sounds like you're scared. I don't know. What do you think it means?" Right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. So, so I think it's this concept of like being willing to let go of 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 saying we know everything. Yes, and, exactly. and so, yes, there are, there are a number of evidence-based psychodynamic, um, excellent treatments, motion focused therapy, accelerated experiential dynamic psychotherapy. I think there's yeah. one also called brief short-term psychodynamic therapy. There's, there is yeah. tra- transfer focused psychotherapy, which is for borderline personality disorder. Yeah. Um, there's a lot of excellent ones out there. Um, though, you know, again, as a, as why I love behavioral science. It's like, I'm just really interested in like, what's the data say? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, would you add anything to that? 
No, I because I so on one hand, what I hear is like it's a nice, beautiful dialectic. On one hand, we're saying like there's a lot of similarity. We're certainly you know any kind of behaviorism is born out of this, especially in the Western world. Uh, but that there's you know if tomorrow I learned that CBT wasn't good for panic, I wouldn't start doing CBT with panic. Right, and and you know what I want to add in too is that so behavioral science, right, is is the study of human behavior. And so there's actually one of my favorite, uh, one of my favorite behavioral science books is called Learning RFT, Relational Frame Theory, which we've mentioned on here before. And in that book, there's a great example where it's saying like, you can apply behavioral science to literally anything, even to psychoanalysis, because you're two humans in a room doing behavior. And so what I would say is like, I want to have, the more knowledge we have, the more we can help people. So again, to me, I'm like, I, I talk about countertransference, right? I talk about yeah. countertransference and I would like to keep adding knowledge and using behavioral science to continue to help people change and, and improve their lives. And so, yeah. um, yeah, you know, obviously, you know, Freud's not my guy. He's not, my, <laughs> he's not, he's not, you know, and I, yeah. and I, owe, and I, owe, and I'm grateful for his contributions to the field. And before you wrap it up, I, I just I, there's not much to add from the East for this because this is really yes. just like kind of Western, uh, you know, theory. Uh, but what I will yes. say is like I do think you know Eastern practices are a bit more like accessible, so they're like really more global that really any culture, mm. any person can. Uh, whereas you know something like a Freudian type based therapy is is really maybe more Western based and certainly more privilege based, and that's a lot of the criticism. Oh, yeah. where it's, you know, really white man based too. That's right. Well, and I mean, and it's it's straight up from Europe. I mean, we're right. you know what I'm saying? So absolutely that, that that's such a, that's such an important point, but I think also like some of the Eastern approach that we're taking is to just practice this, this mindful, non-judgmental approach and this openness to like, let's take in data. Let's take in things that, that are effective and, and also being willing to let go or evolve past uh, things that maybe no longer fit this moment. So you know, listeners, uh, hopefully, uh, you've learned a little something, um, about, uh, about what's helpful about Freud and what's not so, (laughs) and what's not so helpful. Um, and maybe, uh, you, what you can take with you is a model to say that, you know, if we're willing to grow, we're willing to, to evolve. It also means sometimes letting go of something that was helpful at one time. This has been When East Meets West. I'm Dr. Nikki Rubin. And I'm Dr. Pete Economo. Be present, be brave. This has been When East Meets West. All material is based on opinion and educational training of Drs. Pete Economo and Nikki Rubin. Content is for informational and educational purposes only.